Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your co-hosts are Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor, and Pastor Charles Roberts. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Out of the Question podcast. Today, Charles and I are going to pose the question, God's law or chaos? That may seem like an odd combination, but if you think about it, your presuppositions on the origins of things will have a lot to do with your understanding of the present and the future. So although most people, Charles, wouldn't consider the idea of evolution to be a historical concept, in very many ways it is. If you're going to say this is how everything began and you're going to give a Big Bang evolutionary bent, that's in stark contradiction to Genesis 1-1 in the beginning God. So let's start with this idea of defining chaos. What exactly do we mean when we talk about chaos? Well, I think on the ground level, people would understand that to mean, say, the kids are running around making noise, the TV's on, the phone's ringing, the pot on the stove is overflowing, it's boiling, you know, all that, a chaotic, confusing uh, situation in life. And that's certainly one way we use that term. But as with just about everything, it's not so simple when it comes to the things of uh, great gravity and uh, timeliness. You know, depending on what Bible translation you're using, we're said at the it said at the very beginning in Genesis one uh, that you know God created the heavens and the earth, but the earth was without form and void, uh, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Some have translated there was there was chaos. People need to understand, if they don't already, that the world in which they live is largely the product of the choices that men make, either for God's standards or everything opposite of it, which we can broadly define as humanism. And so in these opposite ways of thinking from God's standard, there are and have been different theories about how the world developed, evolved, if they use that term, and Deep within those ideas is the idea of an original or a continuing unfinished nature of things. Chaos is one word that's used to describe that. But it's not so much things have just gotten out of hand and they need to be fixed. It's more this is a necessary stage along the path of evolutionary development that leads up to higher and higher planes of perfection. And okay, is, so I'm going to stop you for a yeah, second, because I think sure. this is an important point you bring up. We should never look at the fact that prior to God's creative act, there was chaos. God is a God of order. And so to say that there was chaos and then God imposed an order on chaos gives something or someone outside of God that created that chaos. So even the concept of chaos being a staple, being a given, uh, we know that things are messed up. That mess up happened as a result of the actions of man, correct? Yes. We can't say God brought order out of chaos. Chaos is the result 
of rebellion against God. And that's why we can ask the question, you can have God's law or you're going to have chaos. Yes. And the, the heart of that issue is the foundational assumption, the presupposition, if you will, and that God comes upon this chaotic situation, uh, and, you know, prevails upon it is that and this is deep within the pagan mindset, the humanistic mindset, the occultic mindset is that that the that the creation and God are essentially the same at the bottom. And so just as the creation can go from and, and let's just throw the term dialectical, you know, you, you've got a, a process and then you've got something moving forward and then it becomes something else. And there's this like I said, there's this ever spiraling perfectionist attitude toward recognizing that we all are one thing the the presupposition the foundation of creation is that god created everything he didn't just come upon this created order and say oh well i think i can bring you know water out of this chaos he, he is the author and creator of all things now he's not identify identical with his creation he stands over and against it and is sovereign over it uh, but the mindset of the pagan and the mindset of modern evolutionary theory, humanistic theory, and this pervades really every aspect of our society today, from public education to government and political uh, aspirations, new age teachings, uh, all of these things that uh, they, they see chaos as an important step towards something else. Uh, one popular writer coined the phrase problem, reaction, solution. And again, people, I would say, need to think outside the box and recognize that just because men have three-piece suits or expensive, you know, bow ties and populate the boards of major corporations or think tanks, you would be surprised at some of the things that they think and believe that date right back to ancient Greek pagan philosophies, and they operate according to these things. I mean, we can look around the world today. And it's easy to say, well, the world is at such a stage of, stage of chaos. And that certainly is true. But listeners, ask yourselves, is that by accident? Is this part of a larger project on the part of people who hate God? They hate his law. And so they are trying to uh, create and establish a different law order. And they see the deconstructing, the destruction of the old order bring about chaos as the springboard from which they can create a new world. Exactly. And so it's probably not a, it, it's not a stretch to call the ideas of revolution and chaos a religion. They are a religion. We don't normally think in those terms because most people will think in terms of religion, the Bible, but a religion is the way you view the world in terms of what's, what's utmost, what is of utmost importance. And so it's not like Charles Darwin came up with something new. He just codified things which previous philosophers, pagan philosophers had posited, but he put it within a scientific bent. And so the modern world would like, oh, yes, that makes sense. The problem, of course, is that if you think that's the origin of things, the past will predicate what you think about the present and, of course, the future. And so Rebellious Man loved Darwin's philosophies because it justified rebellion against God. So I don't think I can stress enough. 
chaos is the result of rebellion. Yes, and we can see this uh, in, in the uh, the writings of people who have denied the existence of God or hate, as I said, his law order. And this dates back either to the times before uh, Christ, where there, of course, there was already revelation from God, but the fall of man created, for example, the Tower of Babel, an effort to move beyond the roaming nature of humanity that God had imposed. And so they are trying to bring order out of chaos, and they create the Tower but then God confuses the language in order to frustrate their efforts. You know, um, we'll get around to referring to this, I'm sure, more than once. But in Dr. Rastuni's book, The One and the Many, he has a great deal to say uh, on this topic. And in his chapter called The Unity of the Polis, P-O-L-I-S, the Greek term for uh, city uh, or state, he points out the fact that this is the, the direction of pagan man, where he wants to go with working through the chaos in nature, uh, the chaos in society, to create a unified system that is centered in man and his government. And again, we find the same thing being thought and acted out by people today. And these ideas have also filtered in through a variety of sources. I don't know how much we want to get off onto this topic. We didn't discuss this beforehand. But one major carrier of this idea of there's there's chaos and then we create a new order out of it is Freemasonry and the Masonic order, uh, dating back to it almost from its origins. I have in my hand um, a book that used to be given out to all men who became Freemasons and pursued the Scottish Rite degrees of Freemasonry. It's a book by the founder of that order, um, Albert Pike, called Morals and Dogma of the Ancient and Accepted Rite, R-I-T-E. And there's a great deal in this book about this subject of order out of chaos. As a matter of fact, that's the motto of one of the highest Masonic degrees. But they didn't cook this up on their own. Uh, one of the one of the projects of Freemasonry specifically, but as you just referred to, the revolutionary faith generally, which was, if I can use this phrase, bubbling up everywhere in Europe in the 1700s and 1800s is this idea of bringing a, a an order based on humanistic ideals out of the chaos of the crumbling of the feudal order, uh, the medieval order uh, that was in abeyance. And so they look to, specifically, pagan ideals. Many people don't realize that parallel with the Protestant Reformation, which we will commemorate that the last Sunday of this month, many of us, uh, was the aspirations of people coming from the Renaissance perspective where there was a desire to, as the phrase is, ad fontes, back to the sources. But the sources for some of these people was not the source of God's infallible word. It was the source of ancient paganism, ancient uh, Greek and Egyptian philosophy. That's another thing that drove drove the, the desire to learn these ancient languages, because there were men of occultic nature and bent who wanted to be able to read these ancient mysterious documents that talked about these things. I realize this sound, may sound fantastic to some of our listeners, but uh, it's, it's a fact. And there are books we could recommend uh, perhaps later that talk about this very thing. I, I mentioned to you uh, a book some time ago whose title had in it The Origins of the Revolutionary Faith. And so this is very much a religious project, what we're talking about. Right.
So I had the opportunity to teach young people and um, they come from Christian families. So it's not a hard sell to say the Bible is true, etc. But I always have them take a look at culturally to see how many of our ideas actually stem from evolutionary thought. And so even though they come from families that will acknowledge that Genesis tells us how everything started, there's times where it's important to have them focus on how nonsensical things like the Big Bang and evolution actually are. And I love to give the example that um, your mother tells you to clean up your room. So what you do is you get a grenade, you throw it in there, there's this big explosion, and then your room is neat, everything, your clothes are put away. Of course, they laugh and they go, of course not. That's not what would happen. Yet, those who posit this idea of chaos, Rush Dooney in his works refers to them as being part of chaos cults, they absolutely positively want to have the effect of the grenade, not so much to have everything go back to the way it was so that they can reconstruct it according to what they think should be. And so it doesn't take much for listeners to think back on the summer of uh, 2020 when George Floyd died. And now what did we see? We saw this outbreak almost look like it was planned of riots and destruction all over the place. Well, what was the purpose of that? If you look at it rationally, you'd say, what was that rebuilding? It wasn't rebuilding, it was tearing down. But that is the philosophy and practice of those who espouse this idea of the next stage in evolution comes from these chaotic things. And so when you asked the question earlier, do you think this was by accident? No, it's not by accident. But what happens to people who don't understand these competing philosophies, these this war between the two seeds? They start to panic. They start to be concerned. And they're like, oh, oh, we need somebody to save us. The government should come in and crack down on this without realizing that tyrants love chaos. Absolutely, they do. And it's no coincidence that the the drive, the ultimate goal of moving out of the chaos is creating a, a unity you know, with generally a, a government with enlightened men at the top of the pyramid who know better than the rest of us and can, you know, thereby lead us into this great, you know, paradise. It, it might be helpful for some of our listeners to understand this idea of dialectical thinking. It's related directly to evolutionary theory and also this issue of chaos. Um, v- various philosophers over time have uh, talked about this. Uh, Hegel, uh, maybe most notably, and his indirect pupils, Marx and Freud and people like that, um, they understood that, as as he put it, as Hegel put it, uh, you have a thesis of something being the case, and then you have the opposite of that that arises. And although he didn't say it, that that's where you have the chaos that comes in. But but and what happens uh, according to him is that from the thesis to the op- its opposite, the antithesis, comes the synthesis, the the fusing together of something new and something better. 
than the original and its opposite. And again, I can't stress enough, this is how these people think. This is the template out of which they operate. They don't think like you do. They don't follow a path of biblical morality, however failingly we all do it. They're on a totally different uh, trajectory. And it uh, it manifests itself in the things that we see taking place in the world today. Now, you referred to the riots and everything of 2020. Um, you and I both can think back to earlier times in our lifetimes where we saw similar things going on. Uh, I can remember very well some of the revolutionary fervor among students and young people back in the 60s and early 70s. One of the great cries was, burn it down, tear it down. We've got to rebuild this, you know, a more peaceful society, not based on greed and war and all those sort of things. I mean, the, there are in, important uh, things to consider ab- about a society that is uh, actually based on greed or war, uh, but the solution is not some occultic pagan idea, if people are pursuing a life based on uh, those principles, they are at bottom already rebelling against God's law order. So uh, people, please understand that largely driving your politicians, your religious leaders, uh, and the, the great events taking place on the world stage today are individuals who have a vested interest in the chaos that's being created because their greater goal is to produce something what they would call better. I mean, you know, we, we saw this even announced on our TV screens at the beginning of the, uh, uh, the, the, the lockdowns and the, the COVID business and all the rest of it. You know, we were told by certain leaders, we're not going, you can never go back to the old order. We're, we're going forward into a new order, a new, more equitable society. And, uh, with this opportunity of this worldwide pandemic gives us the privilege to do that. Yes. They said we were going to build back better. Exactly. That's perfect. That's exactly what they said. And that's the same principle. Right. So here's the part that I think it's, it's important. You know, the Christian doesn't view history as cyclical. That's a very pagan idea. What goes around comes around. The biblical view is you reap what you sow. All right. So if you planted tomato seeds, you're not going to get cucumbers. You're going to get tomatoes. That's what you planted. But this whole idea of periods of unrest, so you were referring back to the Vietnam era when you and I were both young, okay, and there have been many things that have happened since then. We we referenced the BLM riots, Antifa, but in between, there have been isms that have arisen in order to have people sort of go at war with each other. And a lot of people say, oh, this is just so unfortunate. Why should this be? Why can't we all get along? Well, we can't all get along because if we serve different kings, different masters, if our ideology is that we can become gods, that's very different than those who say we will never be gods. We're creatures and our duty is faith and obedience. So that conflict will be there. But what happens when people... And the scripture says, without vision, the people perish. We could translate that and say, without vision, without the understanding of what God requires, you'll have chaos. So the problem isn't there's some bad actors in our society. The problem is that the people of God have not recognized the conflict and the war, which if you read scripture honestly, 
tells us from Genesis 3.15, there will be this war, but they want it to be framed in such a way, not the people of God against the enemies of God, conservatives versus liberals or whatever. So when you get people to attach to, we just want to go back to the way it was, that implies that the way it was was good and God-honoring as opposed to comfortable. That's a, a perfect uh, example, what you just referred to there. And I'll, I'll switch back to the stage of politics, you know, as far as liberal, conservative, and that sort of thing. I mean, what do our politicians and our civil government leaders uh, constantly hunger after? Well, it's consensus. You know, it's, it's compromise. So you've got the thesis and the antithesis, and we have a synthesis that comes forward to where, you know, you, you've got your view on whatever this political or social issue is, and I've got my view. Let's come together for the good of the nation, for the good of the state, and have a consensus to where we can all work this out. Well, right there, we have a serious problem if we're following according to the, the biblical mandates about who we are and who God is. The only consensus that matters is God's. Right. And our, du- our duty is to obey his word and flourish and prosper thereby. And if people would take the time to especially read in the Older Testament, you see time and again how this is played out where either there are people, say, for example, like the Egyptians or the Babylonians, who already are have built societies that glorify the polis, the city, the state, the king, and then God's people. Uh, who have been given his true law word, who rebel against it, who fail, and how they are brought into this situation of misery and sorrow because they have stepped away from the true order of the world, and that is God's law order. There can only be one. The idea of joint sovereignty, mutual sovereignty is nonsense. God will not share his glory with another, and neither will the humanistic state. Yes, he says he's a jealous God up front, right at the beginning. Right. Yes. So when people decide that God is willing to share his kingship, his lordship, his authority, as long as everything looks good. And this is what I've seen in terms of people who view their eschatology by reading the newspaper. I think Rush Dooney may have coined the term newspaper eschatology. Whatever's happening, whatever the media, and we know that the media always reports things accurately, is reporting, now they want to take that and shove that into the Bible. So one country declares war on another. They're terrorists attack. Um, and, and people, and I've seen it, people in Christian churches are like, oh my goodness, will there be a food shortage? We might not have electricity. What about gas? And they get all uptight because they've lost the vision over and over again in scripture the prophet said the the lord says through the prophets so that they will know i am the lord and so what does the the psalm say be still and know that i am god in other words if you're focusing on how terrible it all is then you're giving credence to this chaotic something that's in charge But if you look at it, not in terms of, okay, this means that Jesus is coming soon or we'll be raptured. Instead, what you're seeing is evidence of the fact that the church has not created an army that stands against 
tyranny, statism, and chaos. Instead, as you put it, try to appease it, try to let's get a consensus here. Well, there's some things that there will never be a consensus on. And if we're trying to create a consensus out of things that will never reconcile, then I think the term is we're on a fool's errand. Yes. And I think our listeners will be well aware of the fact that we see almost daily on the TV news or on you know, blog sites where we get information about criminals being let off after committing the most heinous crimes, uh, crime running rampant in big cities across the country. And you just scratch your head and wonder how in the world can either governors or district attorneys or other people who would be in positions of authority to do something about it, why are they just turning a blind eye? Uh, why don't they do something about this? Well, because it is a part of the faith that they have. Now, we've said this before, theocracy is unavoidable. Uh, the question is, whose God and whose law are going to be ruling in a society? And we have been living in one for quite a long time now, where the theocracy is that of humanistic man. Now, Dr. Rastuni, in his commentary on Genesis, in the very first pages on Genesis 1, he makes this point that it's astonishing. I'm, I'm not sure when he gave these, uh, wrote these words or made these presentations on Genesis. It's certainly long before our present day. But I, I just want, to, want you to listen to what he says here concerning this evolutionary thinking and the, the pagan concept that was as it was embodied in that of as above, so below. He says the evolutionists will logically see the virtue and power as emanating from below. In practical terms, he will favor those who are, quote, socially from below. He will see virtue in criminals, in street people, and in the rights of feminism and so on. And the result is the religion of revolution, which is you, you referred to at the very beginning. And he says revolutions usually are the work of anti-Christian intellectuals, and they're done in the name of the people by which is meant those socially at the bottom level. So there's your answer, at least I think uh, a good explanation as to why we have people that we would otherwise think were right-thinking, civilized people who don't mind the uncivilized, uh, savage chaos that's been unleashed in many corners of our society. Because for them, like quoting the current administration, it's an opportunity to build back better, better as they define it as humanists. And I think this is where COVID and the you know, lockdowns and trying to force people to put something in their body that they didn't want. I heard so many people going, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Well, as you just pointed out, it makes perfect sense the same way. How could our schools be turning out people who can't read? As Sam Blumenfeld used to say, maybe that's the point. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Instead of looking at their schools as gross failures, how about gross successes? In other words, we have people who are more concerned about the latest pop culture, can't read, can't dive into a good look at history and what came before, but I believe more importantly, can't read the Bible. Well, we've got a lot of Christians who read the Bible, but do they read it from the point of view of an evolutionary, chaotic situation that we're fighting against, or the fact that this evolutionary, chaotic situation is the result of 
disobedience against God and not being faithful to the point, Charles, where people have lost sight of the fact that it will continue to get crazy until people just despair, give up, commit suicide. Uh, I, I read a, a news story today. Fresno is a city in the Central Valley area of California. And the teachers union in Fresno is going to go on strike if the school district doesn't allow homeless encampments on in school parking lots. Unbelievable. <laughs> now, that's is it unbelievable or do you have to look at the belief structure yeah. of these folks and say it's totally believable? <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to have that kind of chaos? So now, instead of people thinking, I got to get my kids out of the school, what are parents fighting and what are people saying we have to get control of school boards? No, you have to disband public schools if you're truly going to honor God. But as long as you have this chaotic problem, and now we've got to put all our attention on this, the forces of evil continue marching forward because the chaos and the upheavals are meant to distract the people of God. And unfortunately, in many cases, they have been distracted. Yeah, I think one of the uh, great failures of our uh, previous evangelical culture in dealing with this issue of uh, evolution is the fact that, I mean, I heard this when I was much younger, uh, is that this this evolutionary theory is evil because it says that we descended from apes. We're not apes. And that's pretty much the sum total of what people have heard in various segments of Christian society about what's the problem with evolution. They haven't been taught uh, the serious nature of how, okay, descended from apes is only a small, small room in a much larger house that has rippling effects in every area of life, not just whether or not we had apes as ancestors. And we, again, see this being played out uh, on the stage of our current society. You, people might ask, well, why in the world would a school board want to turn out people who can't read? Why would they be happy uh, with kids going to school and being told about the ability to supposed ability to change their sex and why would they not care about not sh or shielding children of a tender age from people who are dealing dealing with serious uh, personal and social issues as many homeless people typically are well as you quoted dr blumenfeld that's the way they want it and you say well why would they want that well because they want a docile society where people can't think for themselves where they can't and this is one of the foundations of Christian Reconstruction, govern themselves according to the law word of God. And if you have a project of being a tyrant, regardless of what nice wording you use to dress that up, that's the kind of society that works best for you, where the, the hoi polloi down below uh, are all focused on, uh, I think you alluded to this too a moment ago, entertainment eating lots of sweet foods and things of that nature. I mean, I would if you have if our listeners haven't done this, it, it's it's laughable but it's so sad at the same time. Just take a look at your evening news. What do you see in your and I don't care where you live, whether you're west coast, east coast, north, south, midwest, whatever. Uh I I've seen enough and you can eat, you don't even have to go somewhere else. There there are apps you can put on your TV where you can watch live or 
previously broadcast newscasts from just about every major city in the United States. And you'll see it's very much the same everywhere. You have what is made being made to pass for news, uh, the, the reportings of killings, murders, stranglings, robberies, car wrecks, and then juxt- juxtaposed with that, this is the latest concert by this famous singer or, or that group. Uh, this is the latest gizmo game that you can play on your computer. So when people say, I just don't understand, this is not the way it used to be, are they positing a world, a society where God's law was known, applied, and sanctions were levied against things that opposed God? No, they were used to this kind of comfortable society where I don't worry about you, you don't worry about me. If I hear one more athlete say, look, it's perfectly okay that a transgender person wants to compete, but have the transgender category. Wait a minute. What is perfectly right about transgenderism from a biblical perspective? But we're so used to, you know, you don't bother me and I won't bother you. As if, as my friend Dennis Peacock used to say, that we can make truces with the devil. We can't make truces with the devil. He hates our soul. He wants to destroy us. And his chief goal is to separate people from the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet the people of God have been promised that nothing will separate us from the love of God. But if we work off a instruction manual that's not the Bible, then we're going to feel like things are chaotic around us. I, I just don't understand and maybe that's why the rapture then sounds appealing, because then I won't have to deal with this mess. And our Christian ancestors certainly had to deal with it. Uh, you know, it, I mean, the the expansion of the Christian faith and the kingdom in its early stages was varied depending on what part of the old Roman Empire and other parts of the world where the kingdom message was being uh, proclaimed. But certainly for uh, the the people in the Roman Empire, where it had its largest impact, at least initially, they were dealing with various aspects of a crumbling society. You know, people talk about the fall of the Roman Empire. They think, well, that, on this particular date, everything fell. No, it didn't work like that. It was a gradual process of decay and the falling away of an order that had been a humanistic order that could not sustain itself. And so the Christians... Uh, were directly affected by that, and they had to live through that and find a way to prosper and flourish and understand that we are called by God to proclaim this message as the the true word and what amounts to, from humanistic man's perspective, an alternative that, again, from their perspective, well, this might be better, but, you know, sinful man turns away from that. But uh, we are not the first Christians to face the the problem of chaos in society, or or even that those who would launch it as a uh, a way of thinking that they can bring something better out of it. Our our Christian ancestors had to deal with this and the crumbling, falling apart of the Roman Empire, and thankfully uh, they had the Word of God to guide them. However, you know, imperfectly, nevertheless, uh, they did it and they navigated those those uh, challenging waters. And I'm sad to say that we have bought into academics as being the supreme test of how well suited someone is, is to lead. 
that nowadays, if somebody were running for a local office or were, you know, was interested in leading a group of people, the first things that would be asked are, well, what are your credentials? And very rarely are the credentials that people look at have anything to do with faithful obedience to the word of God. And so we keep looking for solutions in the wrong places. And I believe God will continue to have us be recipients of such bad choices on a societal level to the point that whatever it takes to realize that God is God and we are not. So that may seem like a hopeless thing. Okay, so I want to apply God's word to every area of my life. Well, that's the key part of all this, Charles. It's start being faithful now within your areas, your jurisdiction. First jurisdiction is between your ears, right? Be able to look at the world in terms of how does it line up with what God's word says. If there's a contradiction, which side are you going to choose? Well, people might laugh at me if I say, I believe this, even though the world says that. Okay, so they laugh at you. Is that the worst thing that can happen to you, that someone laughs at you? Right? We have lost this idea that we are to be the ambassadors. We are to be the soldiers. As we talked about last time, we're to contend for the faith. Well, I think a lot of what we see today shows that we haven't done enough training because when we get in the ring... All we manage to do is get knocked out. And so the whole goal of knowing God's law and applying it is that the promise attendant with faithfulness is blessing. So you'll succeed and you won't have to wait till the next life to succeed because we see when we apply it, we see lives changed and people saying, huh, wow, I've been at war with God. That's the message that people need to hear, not that their life will be better if they trust in Jesus, that I have been at war with my creator. That's what they need to understand. Yeah, and if I could uh, just put my closing comment on this issue, I would say this. If someone says, okay, well, if it's not the idea of order out of chaos, then what is the idea? Well, two things. The first idea is Christ said, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And the second is, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. That settles everything. And everything that proceeds from those two statements and the realization of them, that is what is to govern everything. Because it's not order out of chaos. It's, as we said at the beginning, God's law or chaos. Exactly. And, you know, what you just said in, in recognizing this, I hear a lot of people Yeah, but, okay, we know that's not going to change overnight, so we have to do something else in order to achieve our ends. And for those people, they ought to examine what their ends are. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, its justice. It's not seek a comfortable life. He said, you'll get what you need if that's your primary focus. And so, What I think is probably the most beneficial now for those who are listening and say, okay, I really want to do something that is kingdom building. Well, there's your family, obviously. But then there are plenty of people that you know who need mentoring, whether it's a woman 
mentoring other women, older women, younger women, older men, younger men, finding students who could use mentors. How many young people are making decisions about where I should go to college? Do they have someone who's saying, maybe you shouldn't go to college. Maybe you should examine what the word of God says in terms of what should be your primary emphasis. So we have a lot to offer, but we don't have to wait until we have audiences of hundreds or thousands. There's someone in your church. There's someone in your neighborhood. You'll spot them. You'll spot people who look like they're waking up and then you assist them because our chief end is to glorify God. And we don't do it because we're going to impress him with numbers. We serve in response to the blessing we've received. I absolutely agree with that sentiment. And uh, I would encourage our listeners to consider very carefully everything that we've talked about in this hour and to recognize that perhaps with the best of intentions, whether ourselves or our parents or our grandparents and those who've gone before us have gone off the rails a bit, it's, it's well and good to be educated in the ways of God's creation. But as you just alluded, does that require a college degree? Where did the idea come from that we should all go to school for four years and get some kind of you know degree after our names? I don't think you'll find that grounded in Scripture. Certainly learning and glorifying God and what we understand and study and, and building a godly society is an important project, and you have to know things to do that. The last thing I'll say about this is we need to keep in mind we don't operate according to the standards of the evil men of our time. They operate from the standpoint of a top-down, tyrannical, oligarchical, autocratic way of imposing things on others because the others are the ones, the dirty, nasty ones below who need to be corralled and managed. You know, we start from the standpoint of each person governing themselves by God's Holy Spirit's power according to the law word of God. God has a lot more time to bring about the Christianization of this entire world than any of the peoples whose faces we see on the news at night. And we should remember that and act accordingly. And I think this goes back to the fact that we're so used to the programs over in 30 minutes, 60 minutes, the movie, 90 minutes, maybe two hours. In other words, we want instant gratification. And we somehow feel that God owes us something. God owes us nothing. As a matter of fact, if we really looked at it from this point of view of scripture, which is what we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved, not go to universities and have somebody confer a degree on you. But if you, you look at what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to think God's thoughts after him. We're supposed to order our lives so they're in conformity to the word of God. And then as a result of that, we get insight. Oh, this could work. That could work. So we're not really competing with the world. In actual fact, and this is an interesting concept that I recently have been thinking about, we have no rights to anything in this world. None at all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So our job is in ownership. Our job isn't to assert our rights. Our job is stewardship. What we're supposed to do is steward what God gave us. And just like in those parables, Charles, if he gave you a lot and you do something with it, you get more. And that's the blessing. And anyone who's had the opportunity to mentor, to disciple, to teach, 
just to interact in business honestly and other people notice it, we can expect more because we've used what God has given us. Indeed, we are to have dominion in his name and according to his word. I think that's what he told our first parents. And then told his disciples as he was in the process of uh, about to be ascended into heaven. So the mission has not changed. The question is, are we willing to do it on God's terms or our terms? Yes. All right. You mentioned a couple of resources. I can mention some. So I'll go first and then you can finish up. In Rush Dooney's book, Law and Liberty, there is a chapter called Law or Chaos. There's also a, a lecture that you can find at calcedon.edu, Time and Chaos. And I think you mentioned his book, The One and the Many. Yes. That is, uh, I'll say in the best sense, an academic bit of research into how these ancient pagan philosophies laid the foundation for our modern humanistic age and various aspects of, of those teachings that, you know, uh, filtered through even into some forms of Christianity. But then uh, his commentary on Genesis and the five-volume set on the, the Pentateuch, uh, the first several chapters where he deals with Genesis 1 and 2 are really quite excellent. Well, they all are, but uh, I, I right. would commend those writings as well. So you asked the question when he gave those talks. It, they were actually... The book came out of a Bible study that he was doing with people in his local area. And to this day, everybody kicks themselves because nobody recorded it. So you can get recordings of the rest of the Pentateuch. And and you'll see some recordings on the Chalcedon website that he's talking about Genesis. But that's it was the 90s. And I would say it's among his latter works. As somebody once commented to me... As Rush Dooney went along, there was more and more clear presentation of things. And I think that was just the result of his thorough commitment to understanding what God's word says and then how to apply it. Yeah, I remember either reading or hearing him say, I forgot which one of the commentaries it was, uh, but that he, I, I think, intentionally waited till later in life to write and teach on this particular book. I can't remember which one it was, but it was not Genesis, but it was certainly one of one of the others. Having known the man and then having read most of his stuff, he was never interested in making people think he was smart. He was interested in being faithful to what the scripture said. And, you know, there are things he didn't talk about, and I can only assume that meant he didn't feel God calling him to talk about it. Yes. May we all have such humility. (laughs) Yes, indeed. All right, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Out of the question podcast at gmail.com is how you get a hold of us. And we will talk with you next time. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.